Hello, everybody. Welcome. Hello. Welcome to the uh, post-Champions League phone-in show with me, Stato Jew. And Luke, Luke, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. Great I to feel, be here, I, I feel like we need to give you some sort of like nickname. You know, I feel like it's so anticlimactic when I'm going, it's me, Stato Jew. <laughs> I was like, and, and Luke, we've got and, and Luke's here. So. I'm sure it'll naturally come. Well, all right, we'll get, get, get the chat involved. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Hopefully, hopefully, we're streaming live, multi-platforming it today. We're on YouTube, we're on Facebook, hopefully, fingers crossed, and Twitter as well. So if you're on any of those platforms, get your messages into the chat. We'll see them. We'll be able to chat too. But even better, if you want to get involved, if you want to come onto the show with me and Luke and get your thoughts heard, simply click the link that I'll be sending into each individual chat right now. We're going to get the get it in. Let me see. That's it on YouTube. That should be it on Facebook. Let me just chuck it into Periscope here just to get every, all bases covered. There we go. So if you want to join us live on stream, click the link, get your name in, and we'll bring you on at a stage where we feel that we'd like to bring you on. But let's start. I think there's only one place we can start, look, to be honest. And that's the game we just watched. My, my Joe, what a game of football. Oh, so These good. are the types of games that get you excited about Champions League. These are the types of games that you would miss if we had the European Super League. These are full of tension, full of drama. That game was a real game of two halves. It was nuts. That's exactly what I was thinking watching the game was. Imagine that you're the Super League. You would not get... I mean, the tactics in that game tonight were quite phenomenal. We will, we will set, we'll break those down because the two halves couldn't be any more different in in, in my eyes whatsoever. Um, first off, from a scoreline point of view, not what I expected at all. Not what I expected at all. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure how this game would go. Sitting before the game, I was wondering. PSG pulled off a massive result against Bayern Munich in the first leg. They did so well to get that result and then hold on to it. I wasn't sure how it would go. Manchester City, a fantastic side for the last three years. They've been a really, really solid team. And so I was expecting big things from them. I thought it would be a great game, and it was. But I think 2-1 in the end was a fair result. But no, I was probably I probably would have thought a one all beforehand would have been what I was expecting, and then City to go back to the Eddie had, especially based on City's performances recently. If you look at the likes of their loss against Leeds, their loss then against Chelsea, but then their victory against Tottenham, which wasn't overly convincing. I thought I was I wasn't sure going into the game, but then I started watching it. And PSG, PSG did really well at the start. PSG were great. Neymar and Mbappe especially, really solid. Mm. And I was like, well, here we go. Man City are continuing on. But then the second half changed everything. But yeah, beforehand, I couldn't have predicted this. Yeah, before before the game today, I, I thought it would be actually be 2-1 PSG or 1-1. Or that was kind of where I thought it was going. I thought City would definitely get their, uh, their goal. Um. But what was fascinating about the first half was the way that PSG kind of set up defensively. Anytime City got the ball, their four defenders in their four midfield kind of narrowed in, right? They were happy to let City have the ball out in the wings because what can City... City can work the ball in the box and no one's there. Um, so it was, it was stuff like that that 
really kind of for me i was like psg are all over this you know a man city i felt needed a number nine in in that first half they were missing that completely um and it just it, i mean it was such a quick game the whole time um but psg for me were were by far the better team in that first half i hadn't even realized until half an hour and that phil foden was on the pitch um yeah they kind of yeah, like nullified fair. that. Um, I thought, yeah, real standouts in the first half. PSG, obviously, with a better team in the first half. But the standouts, there he is, Gareth. Absolutely buzzing, Gareth. <laughs> lovely to have you here. Um, Neymar and Mbappe, they showed their quality in the first 30 minutes. Definitely. Really, really solid. Neymar and Mbappe linking up really well. Di Maria as well thought showed a sign of experience in there that was needed for two Two players who can get a little bit overwhelmed at times, Mbappe, Neymar especially, I thought towards the end of the game, really showed his theatrics, we'll say, uh, towards oh, the end of the game. In. Oh, it was frustrating, really frustrating. But so Neymar and Mbappe, really, really great. Running great counterattacks, running really fast against the City defence. Who, who have pace, they're quick players. Yeah. And yet it seemed like they were all over the show. Um, a little bit, I was th sitting thinking after the, the the first goal and the second goal went in. I was sitting thinking, this is a massive game, two really great footballing sides, and obviously we get a headed goal and a weird cross come shot that ends up going into the net. It was a really anticlimactic uh, goal scoring show in my eyes, but I thought PSG did very well to get a goal through Marquinhos. Mm, great cross, by the way. That's that's a textbook corner that. My pet hate, by the way, is not beating the first man. It infuriates the life out of me. And seeing a ball go in and just, oh, perfect, lovely. Um, I, I want to plug again very, very quickly, guys, because there's 14 of you here, so very, very welcome. Split over all the platforms. A, let us know where you're watching from. Get it in the chat. Let us know what platform you're on. But B, there should be a link in the chat for, for each um, platform. If you want to come onto the show with us and let me know your thoughts, Click that link. It'll take you to the, the waiting room, and I'll be able to let you on whenever you want. The whole point of these shows will always be that any live stream that me and Luke do from now on will be a fan phone-in. You, you can get on, get your say. Uh, we would love to have you on as well. I think it would be really, really great. So make sure to get involved if you want to. And as always, you're so welcome in the chat. Uh, we'll put your message up on the screen, like Karthik here, who he thinks, uh, who's, I think, as a Liverpool fan, is... Very, very sad watching City win that game tonight. Uh, he said it's his worst nightmare. I was chatting to him privately, and he said it's his worst nightmare. So, um, you know, you obviously get your get your chats in and let us know you're here. Um, City's two goals are probably some of the worst things I've seen in a Champions League semi-final in my entire life. First of all, Keylor Navas, I don't know what happened there. How you don't have that covered is criminal. Uh, in my eyes but the the second one's even worse because how you're letting the ball go through the wall like that was a horrendous free kick from Mares, right that that was straight at the wall and he somehow finds a, the tiniest wee gap oh i i really enjoyed the camera angle afterwards they showed of marco verratti lying down along the yeah. ground behind the wall <laughs> and he turned as the ball went through <laughs> shocked that the ball has gone through the wall one job that the wall has we've seen terrible wall play over this last week ronaldo mm -hmm. last week or at the weekend you might have seen and then this week with this game 
PSG showed, I think, their inexperience almost tonight mm. in their conceding of their two goals in the second half. Man City piled on the pressure. They had a lot of the ball in the second half. They're passing it around. Really good technique on the ball from Manchester City. And PSG couldn't cope. And they started to lose their heads. The, the red card from Idris oh, Gay, Shocking challenge. Neymar shouting at the referee almost every single time something happened. Verratti, a really great player, but getting he's a feisty player at times. At times tonight, he really showed that. I think the inexperience, especially of the left back for PSG, the backer, uh, thought he, he had a bad game tonight. And especially towards that second half when Man City had a lot of the ball. They had two. City had a real strength on the right-hand side. You've got Kyle Walker. You've got Bernardo Silva. You've got Mares. Three players down the right-hand side that no right or left back wants to face. And in this case, an inexperienced backer has been absolutely ruined there. Mm. Um, I think I think that's a little bit harsh um, to, see, to say for Pochettino. I think Pochettino is, is a good manager. And um, I think the the players lost their heads more than anything. Pochettino's tactics were perfect in the first half. Pochettino won't have gone at halftime and told them to change their game plan entirely. He would have said more of the same. But City played well, very well in the second half, as Karthik mm. has said there. Why? Well, it's it's funny because I'm, <laughs> I nearly forget about Kyle Walker sometimes, just as as I showed. In my, in my, uh, I, I announced my like the right back project, and I forgot that Kyle Walker even existed to put him in the uh, picture that I'd made. Instead, I put Kyle Walker Peters, which is silly. Um, but I, I didn't really think City did a lot different in that second half. I actually thought that the fact that they didn't bring on any type of subs at halftime uh, was interesting to me. Um. Yeah, and and certainly, I just thought PSG kind of backed off a wee bit, which kind of allowed City to get back into the game because in in that first half, um, while PSG were content to kind of sit back and let uh, PSG like sit sit back and let City play towards them, they held in such a way that City couldn't do anything. Like they almost held back, but then whenever they had the ball, pressed them in that final third. They really had a high line then. Yeah. Whereas in the second half, I feel like they sat back more. They weren't able. They didn't really press the same way. And I think to be to be fair to them, City were able to kind of nullify Neymar and Mbappe. Uh, I think Neymar spent more time in the ground and on his feet in that second half. He does. He does my head in uh, the way he goes down sometimes. He really does. But do you know what? On that point, City or PSG sat back. They did. Mm. I think that's where City come up really strong because Manchester City play their best football when they're allowed to be fluid, when they're allowed to pass the ball around a lot, when they're allowed to keep ball, short passing, quick interplay and one-twos and City got to do that in the second half and that's what changed the game. PSG sat back, they rested a little bit, they they relied on Gay to try and get the tackles in, they relied on their defenders holding firm, staying narrow because as you said earlier, they're not going to whip the ball in, they can't have, they don't have an even when Aguero was there, they weren't really whipping it into him, but they don't have uh, a Lewandowski, a Haaland, somebody who's going to get their head in the ball. They don't have that. But whenever you see that front six of Manchester City playing good football together, it is phenomenal to watch. 
De Bruyne playing in that false nine role is mm. so good when it works. It's terrible when it doesn't work because he's not a good goal scorer and he's not a striker and he can't play that. But when he's there and you've got Mares and you've got Silva and you've got Foden and you've got Gundogan and they're all passing it around, quick interplay. Even Zinchenko was getting in on the play. Uh, Kyle Walker was getting in on it. Rodri at times was getting in on it. It was really, really good. And as Karthik has pointed out here, City were quickly getting the ball back in that front mm -hmm. six and they were really good at recycling it. thought Man City play phenomenal fluid football. It, it, it very, very similar system than Pep would have played with Barcelona in 2012. Do you know that type of, you've got a false nine. Obviously it was Messi back then who was a goal scorer, but this time it's De Bruyne. You've got wingers who are very, very good. You've got Mares really solid. I thought Mares deserved his goal. Played really well. What do we think of Mbappe tonight? I've said briefly a few thoughts earlier about Mbappe. I thought he played well at the start. They went, went missing, really, for the last 50 minutes of the game. Wasn't really present at all. What do you think, Joe? I thought he was played out of the game. I think um, he, he started well, almost kind of shocked the City defence, uh, and he was essentially marked out of the game. I, I, I wouldn't blame him for... Not really getting into it. I thought that Diaz and John Stones did a phenomenal job at the back tonight. I really did. And actually, I was sitting watching the game and I thought, this game for me kind of summarises the rise of John Stones. He didn't look out of place. I always remember John Stones being a player who you almost were scared when he was on the ball, right? He, he, you always felt they had a mistake in him. I don't know. For me, now he's very, very solid. Uh, yeah. Surely has to go with England. Uh, There's the a big difference between John Stones now and when he was at England or in Everton. At Everton, he had to be the main centre back. He mm -hmm. was their pride and joy. When he came to City, they tried that. They tried to make him the main centre back. John Stones plays his best football whenever he gets to play alongside a competent centre back. Ruben Diaz has come in and he is that. Ruben Diaz is the commanding centre back. It would be the same if you put John Stones alongside Virgil Van Dijk. If you put mm -hmm. John Stones beside Van Dijk, he would be unbelievable. Yeah. Van Dyke leads the line. But tonight helped out big time because you've got Rodri dropping back, really helps out, basically makes it a back three there with Rodri, plus Kyle Walker on the right-hand side, who is rapid. Kyle Walker is really, really quick. Mbappe's pace, Neymar's pace, nullified, null and void. Cancelo is the same on the other side. And Cancelo plays all over the pitch. He does not mm. stay at left back. He's playing defensive midfield. He's playing attacking midfield. He's good everywhere. And so Cancelo and, and Walker were almost the perfect um, people to play to counteract Mbappe. Interesting, though, they brought Zinchenko on, 61 minutes for Cancelo. I thought that might mean a bit more of a chance for PSG, but strangely, mm. Mbappe still didn't really get into the game. Actually, I'll bring Cancelo off made a difference. Um, I think did he, got, he got a yellow card early on, didn't he? And I feel like he was quite restricted defensively then. He couldn't. He couldn't take the same level of risk. I think when they brought on Sinchenko, uh, they had a bit more freedom. Not because Cancelo didn't play well. I think Cancelo had to really limit what he was doing because you can't risk getting that second yellow card. Um, I, you know, I was thinking, interesting, after tonight, that you know the title of this stream is Advantage Premier League, basically, right, um, in the Champions League. And I was thinking, oh, here's an interesting stat, you know, when was the last time we had four English teams in the two European finals? Well, it was 2019. 
So, yeah, it was just two so, years ago, Joe. Yeah. It wasn't that long so ago. So it's, it's, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. And that actually brings up another debate that we could have, maybe if it does happen later on down the line, is if, if it does happen and there's that's two times in three years, you've had four English teams in both the European finals, does that say something about the standard of football uh, in the Premier League compared to Europe? Um but anyway, that's kind of a it, tangent. It probably but... it's just a testament to the ridiculous wealth within the Premier League as a mm. whole, comparatively to other leagues. But I just want to shout out, though, I thought the referee had a great game tonight. I thought the referee had a really great game. Mm-hmm. That was a tough game, especially the second half to referee. I thought he did really well. Red card in totally, warrant, totally warranted, in my mind. Awful challenge. Totally Awful challenge. deserved. Yellow cards, I thought he gave out well. Cancelo's was, yep, fair enough. But I thought Paredes deserved his yellow card. Neymar deserved his yellow card. Kevin De Bruyne, the, the PSG players were doing a, a they were doing a proper Barcelona from 2012. I love Barcelona, but I used to hate this. Busquets rolling on the floor, showing his face. They were they were doing that. They were surrounding the ref. You could hear Neymar on the stream mm-hmm. on the on the on the football or on the TV. You could hear him shouting red red. Like that is disgusting. That is so bad from there. You really get to see it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I just want to shout out City as well. They've had an unbelievable week. Um great win against Villa last week on Wednesday. Winning the League Cup on Sunday. And then going to Paris just three days later and beating PSG two one. Doesn't matter about the goals. Honestly, the goals do I, like for me it's not an undeserved win, right? It's not it's not an undeserved victory. The goals were Dodgy at best, so undeserved. Uh, and let's quickly take a look at the stats. See what see what the game kind of told us. Uh, we'll see how this looks, and if we need to remove our faces from screen, then we can remove our faces from screen. But um, if we just quickly go through them and, and see kind of where the game was won and lost, I think this always the attack momentum meter always tells a great story because you can see in that first half the PSG dominated a lot of the game. So PSG are green here. Man City are blue. You can see that PSG kind of had most of the game, apart from a couple of patches from City, but really it was PSG's half. And then look at the difference in the second half. Yeah. It's all Man City, basically, right? Um, You look at the player ratings, as you were saying, Luke Backer had a shocker of a game, 5.8 there with the stats. Uh, Mares, rightly so, getting man of the match. Um, Just from the stats, who's... He also got man of the match yeah. in the League Cup final. You've got to give a shout out to Marquinhos there. Marquinhos was really mm. the, the bright star in a very average defence tonight. Marquinhos is the type of player I think any team in world football would be would be buzzing to have because he's he's dynamic. He can play defensively, he can play defensive midfield, he can play in a couple of different positions, and that, that works really well. And tonight I thought he led the line decently well because Kimpembe is not a great defender. He does okay in the French League. If Kimpembe came to the Premier League, he'd be ripped to shreds. If yeah. Bakker came to the Premier League, he would be ripped to shreds. Uh, Florenzi did okay in the Italian League, but again, if he came to the Premier League, he would get ripped to shreds. Because Man City, they're not a winger team, really. They're an inside-forward type of team. They play yeah. wide players who like to cut in. You put him against Salah, Mane, you put him against... Abamiang, you put him against anybody with a bit of pace, they're they're scuppered. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's look at this kind of stats breakdown. We'll go half by half. I think it's more interesting that way because it's it's a game that 
differed so much in half so looking at the overall game picture actually isn't a fair reflection of what happened i don't think no um actually interesting Zinchenko got a seven which is high for a sub yeah so that's just just want to point that out he did well and that was our only sub as well um so in the first half yes city had slightly more possession but look look at the shots there psg had nine city only had four um but even then like City had that one notable shot with uh, Phil Foden. The other shot on target there was that kind of dive, kind of lean like thing that Bernardo Silva did that went for a corner. Yeah. That was the, that was the only other shot on target. Um, PSG they're having four shots on target, obviously one of which was a goal. Um, In the first half, they they played they played the system well. They counterattacked. Yeah. They did what they needed to do. City were going to have a lot of the ball, obviously. And so they used their Mbappe, they used their Neymar, and they countered. So what happened in the second half? Yeah, I know. And then you just see, like, I don't really know if... Did PSG have three big chances? I'm not really sure they did. I can, Unless I'm forgetting something, I don't really remember them having three big chances. Uh, as you know, as you know, I love to see a, a, pack, a, a, a pass and accuracy above 85%. Absolutely. Both teams there, 89, 93. So that was the first half. First half was... Absolutely, uh, PSGs. No, like, no problem. You look at the second half now. Look at look at the difference here. Sixty six percent possession from City. Now, not let's let's be real here. The the red card did not affect these stats really because no. it was only with ten minutes to go. Um, City had seven shots. PSG only had one. So like they could they totally silenced PSG. Um, they could have got away with it. That's the thing. If it wasn't totally. for those meddling kids, no, it yeah. was no big chances for either side, and that is really telling to how unfortunate PSG were in a way, because mm-hmm. PSG could happily have had thirty percent possession and still come yeah. away with a one nil win if their mm-hmm. defense was slightly more organized and the keeper was slightly more on the ball. Yep, absolutely, and you you would argue that in reality, City didn't do anything. Just to warrant a goal that wasn't lucky, Jordan. Like both their goals, yeah. they, they they never really got that close. You know, like from a defensive point of view, PSG did did well. You know, they like they, they did the right things, but just costly errors, costly costly errors. Um, yeah. yeah, and then again, City with great passing accuracy tonight, and PSG not so great in the second half. But they didn't really have much of the ball, to be honest. Um. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting one because if I was to go to like the whole game, it tells a story. It tells a more even story in terms of shots, uh, corners, uh, all that kind of thing. Like it's it's a lot more even apart from possession, but that was always going to be the case. But what's interesting is that you can have such a good game of football, and it wasn't a game that you would say had loads of chances. But it was still a brilliant game. Um, yeah, it really was. It was a brilliant game of football, and it, it got me excited watching it. I was mm. anticipating every attack that City were putting on, loving when PSG were counterattacking. It was just a really exciting game of football. Uh, what do you reckon now, next week in the second leg, going back to Manchester with a big two-one lead, two away goals is huge. PSG need to score. What do you reckon Twice. about next week's game? PSG just go twice. Yeah, they do. So, so set. It's. I mean, 
City City literally can can go there and know that they can still concede one, and that's fine. Like that's kind of a massive advantage. I I've always said that having your away your away leg first is a massive advantage anyway, because yeah. you you go to your home game knowing what you have to do. So when we talk about um, the Chelsea game here in a couple of minutes, it's the exact same thing, right? Advantage Chelsea completely. Uh, I I don't know. I think I think I actually think next week's game could be even better because PSG have to go all out really, and so yeah. they can just kick them on the counter. Next week's game will be fascinating. It'll be mm. so interesting to see. PSG need to go out and get it for the first time this season in the Champions League. Against Bayern, they had the lead, so they were holding on. Against Barcelona, they had a huge lead, and they were, that was a wild game, the second leg against Barcelona. Barcelona played really well. PSG soaked it up brilliantly, comparatively, to tonight. So I'm intrigued to see, because Man City, they'll not sit back completely. It's just not the Manchester City way, but mm. it'll make for a really good second leg or Champions League semi-final. Absolutely. Uh, before we move on... Um... Quickly, the admin stuff. Make sure you've liked this stream wherever you're watching it on, whether that's YouTube, whether that's Facebook, whether that's Twitter. Give it a like. Maybe share it if you want. Share it out. And uh, make sure you subscribe on the YouTube. If you've liked, make sure you've liked the Facebook page and give us a follow on Twitter. We really, really appreciate it. And get your thoughts in on the chat. Always looking to interact. Um, yeah, so we're going to move on then very, very quickly to last night's game. Um, Definitely the. I didn't get that. Sorry, I was just having having a chat with me there. Um, definitely the worst of the two games, uh, in my opinion. Not it wasn't a bad game. Um, what were your overall thoughts afterwards of, of on the game last night? Loved the first half. Thought the first mm-hmm. half was really fun. A very good Champions League semi final, <laughs> as we want. As a neutral, as a completely neutral football fan. Really wanted a good game, and the first half was that a really fun first half. Second half, much more defensive, much more relaxed from both teams in a strange way. But it was a good game of football, all the same, and intriguing, intriguing um, to watch. I thought tactic wise, very interesting. Zidane pulled out a three at the back, which isn't very normal for Real Madrid. They don't do it often. Tuchel played his three at the back, which is commonplace for him. Um, <laughs> Stephen loves our, our punditry. You love to see it like you My uncle. <laughs> um, the, it was just yeah a very interesting uh, game of football. Um, what about you? Who for you stood out last night? Who were the real key players in the game? I mean, Pulisic stood out in the first half. Um, he, in my opinion, was the reason. Obviously, he was the sole reason for Chelsea's goal, but he was also like Chelsea's main attacking threat. Uh oh, I just feel so bad for Werner. Like but the man can't get a break. Um just not on it at all. He does so much work with his running. Like his off the ball movement is phenomenal and, and he does he does scare defenders, but like the defenders are gonna let him shoot because he, he can't score. Uh, I yeah. could probably I would have scored that last night. Um I think um but yeah he's just he's just having one of those kind of periods in his career where he's just even now Tuchel's getting annoyed at him, do you know what I mean? Like that's kind of yeah coming through. Real Madrid Real Madrid really weren't exceptional last night at all in my opinion. I, I think they got away with one. Um 
Derek Lucas just died off the stream, so uh, I'll, I'll keep going anyway. Um, he's back. You died there. I okay. Told me you died, but that's fine. Oh. <laughs> anyway, interesting. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah, so I thought Real Madrid got away with one, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, didn't do really anything. Yeah. Like, but Real Madrid have been like that all season. Real Madrid have not been flying high this season. Atletico Madrid were running away with La Liga. They've single-handedly messed that up big time. Real Madrid put on some good performances to, recently. They were not conceding a lot of goals. They were getting goals scored. It was it was good from them, but they haven't been playing an attractive style of football. They haven't been getting big wins. They've been doing a lot of one nils, two nils, two ones, that type of win. And so I went into the game not expecting too much from Real Madrid, um, but expecting quite a lot from Chelsea because since Tuchel has come in, I think he's done a phenomenal job. Um, you mentioned Postage, great, really mm -hmm. great yesterday. Showed the signs of of last season. At the end of last season, he was really, really good. And it was really great to see him doing that again. Thought Rudiger had a good game. Thought the ball through to Pulisic was perfect. Mm. <laughs> it was hit absolutely beautifully. Um, and I thought he defensively did well as well. The the Real Madrid goal was a piece of, of art, really. Oh, it was <laughs> goal. It wasn't any defender's fault. It wasn't the goalkeeper's fault. It was pure quality from Benzema. I hate to say it. Not a Real Madrid fan. But I, it was a phenomenal, a phenomenal goal. Um, other than Rudiger, I feel like it would be rude <laughs> to not to talk about Kante. Um, Kante, oh, yeah. I thought, I personally think Kante was man of the match last night. I think it's it's weird to see some of the low ratings that he's been getting, and some mm. people not really appreciating it. But I don't know about you, my Twitter was going mad for Kante last night during mm. the game and after the game. Absolutely, Kante was class, um, which was funny because I had kind of earlier on the day I had kind of slagged him off slightly and uh, i told him i told yeah, you he did <laughs> he did he did um the secret side guys we saw we see each other off camera um yeah uh we, it was i i just i just thought he controlled that first half can't tell you really from a kind of midfield point of view i just find it really mad that chelsea didn't actually when i think back about it i just think think it's mad that chelsea didn't win the game yesterday um, it is still advantage Chelsea. You know they go to the bridge next week, knowing that they if they just don't concede, then they'll they'll go through. You know, like you can't obviously you can't play like that. But Tuchel came in, and his kind of uh, work has been focused on defence. You know, haven't focused on attack. You know, and it's shown. It's and shown. yet the attack is significantly better than it was under Frank Lampard. Which True. is a testament that Tuchel does know what he's doing slightly. Mm -hmm. Chelsea's attack was great yesterday. I really love the pace that Mount and Pulisic brought on. I thought Mount especially is growing into every game of football every week. He is getting better and better. His confidence is better. His work rate has always been peak. Do you know, he is a 20 out of 20 work rate player. His stat on Football Manager is really high for a reason. Do you know, he's a work rate player, but his actual technique 
his decision making, his vision is getting better and better. And that helps having played with the players more and more. It's been the issue with Chelsea the last two seasons is that the players haven't played a lot together. There's a lot of youth came through last season and this season there's a lot of new players have come through. I thought Mount played a really good game. Timo Werner was an interesting one because I thought he had a decent game. I thought he was mm -hmm. making good runs. I thought he was making decent enough decisions. But when it came down to it, his big chance, he put it straight at the goalkeeper. I was raging. I was shouting. It was, was poor. Like... It was really poor. So the question comes for me, what on earth do Tammy Abraham and Olivier Giroud have to do to start for Chelsea over Werner? Last night for me, it was surefire. It had to be Tammy Abraham or Timo Werner. Giroud couldn't start that game. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't his type of game. It was going to be a fast-paced type of game in attacking-wise because they were looking to counter-attack. Giroud has six goals in the Champions League this season in 255 minutes. It's a pretty good turnaround. Yeah. That is a lot of goals for not very many minutes. Werner has three goals in 683 minutes. Three times more minutes played and half the number of goals scored. Werner, in terms of finishing, is not as good. What about Tammy Abraham? In Champions League, he's only scored once, but he's only played 233 minutes as well. So he's played significantly less than Werner. I probably would have played Tammy Abraham up front yesterday because he has pace, but he's also a really good finisher. Yeah. It, oh, I just I just feel like Tuchel keeps playing Werner because he's thinking, surely, surely it'll happen tonight. Surely finally finally it'll happen you know like you know there's no way he's this bad there's no way they've you know there's no way they've paid 40 million i can tell you right now you can pay 40 million for a striker and it'll still be crap let's have a look at joe linton do you know what i mean anyway it's not all about <laughs> newcastle but uh it's, it's weird because it seems like tushel is an expert manager it seems like <laughs> tactically he's fantastic but yet when it comes to picking a striker it's like he's a 12 year old boy playing fifa 21 sees the pace stat. he's like there's 93 pace or something on Timo Werner there his dribbling's all right his shooting's all right we'll pick him rather than looking at stats looking at performances Tammy Abraham when he's played for Chelsea he has never looked like a player who doesn't want to be there he loves the club he wants to play football week in week out at Chelsea I'll be gutted for him if he gets sold in the summer I think he deserves a chance at Chelsea and he got it and he played really well last season got a lot of goals in the Premier League this season hasn't had the same amount of time. I feel for him. I really do. Because even if you look Premier League stats-wise, Werner's top goals and top assists, which is nuts. Six goals, six assists. But Tammy Abraham has six goals and has played really? half the minutes. Tammy Abraham has played half the minutes than Werner. What does he have to do to get a regular start under Tuchel? What's actually saddest for me is that Abraham could have been a shout for a Euro spot, and that's oh, just yeah. been clean taken away from him. You know, like there's, he's got no chance now. So it, it'd be raging because last season I would have picked him every day of the week. This mm -hmm. season, Calvert Lewin, Ings, both mi miles are like oh, miles away. You know, so much better. Mm -hmm. Dwight Gale. <laughs> Dwight Gale. That's the one. <laughs> Shogun. Yeah. Shogun. So so in, in conclusion, then we'll, we'll wrap up our Champions League discussion because we've got one more thing we want to talk about is uh, City. So in my opinion, 
whoever wins the game between City and PSG will win the Champions League. Um, I, 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 I think I think that one of those two teams is winning the Champions League. Um, but if Manchester City get to the Champions League final and face Chelsea, I don't think it's clear cut in any way. You look at Chelsea the other day against Man City in the FA Cup oh. semi-final. Chelsea absolutely did Man City. They didn't play better. They didn't necessarily play good football, but they won. Mm. They won the game two 0 because Tuchel played better tactics. I think I was just comparing the way the game played out tonight and the game, the way the game played out last night. I was like, the two teams in this game tonight are far superior, in my opinion, to the two that played last night. But what if you if you have Chelsea's performance from the first half yesterday and Man City's performance from the first half today? Chelsea could have been three 0 up in the first half because Chelsea played know. really well. And City I would say, really man, but Man City didn't play badly in the first half. It was PSG. They didn't do anything. They didn't do anything, and they weren't allowed to do anything. And Chelsea, but Chelsea would play the same sort of way as PSG played tonight. Mm. They're arguably even better because they have slightly better defensive players, like centre backs, better than PSG's wing backs tonight. They didn't play good wing backs. Chelsea played better wing backs. Kante was phenomenal. <laughs> you know, he was mm. better than Idrissa Gay was at all tonight. If if that Chelsea team, if Chelsea who played Real Madrid last night were to play Man City that played tonight in the first half, Chelsea would be a few goals ahead. I wouldn't I wouldn't see it as sure fire. Well, before we before we wrap up, I feel like it would be it'd be a miss if we didn't shout out Benzema for a little bit. If we didn't give Benzema a little bit of glory. Uh, because he played really well last night and he's been playing really well all season. He's got 21 goals in the La Liga. He's been carrying Real Madrid through these last few months when Ramos has been injured. Ramos, obviously, is their captain. He's their talisman. He's been carrying them through this season. But Benzema has picked up the ball and got going. Obviously, hasn't picked up the ball because that's against the rules. But you know what I mean. <laughs> he's, he's played very well and deserves a shout-out. Took the goal yesterday phenomenally. Oh, sexy goal, that. Sexy goal. The sexiest uh, of goals. The way he was able to react, nod the ball gently to himself and volley it in. Technique of the highest order. Saw a stat earlier saying Benzema's had 107 Champions League starts and he's got 105 goal contributions in that. Nice. Goals and assists. That's a, that's a really... It helps when you're playing in a team that's won the Champions League three years in a row. But still, it's a phenomenal record. Karen Benzema get some credit finally i've never given him credit never played thought of him as a good player but finally last night he earned it and this season he really does deserve you down as a real madrid legend hmm. um absolutely i mean he scored that goal last night apart from that wasn't able to do much but didn't have to because he got that goal um so i've just said that the because my wi-fi dropped for Two seconds. Uh, the YouTube stream has dropped. We should still be live on Facebook and Twitter, though. Um, however, if you are watching this on Facebook, make sure and give the post a like and comment in the chat and whatever. And if you're not already on the YouTube, go on, go over to the YouTube. Just start of Joe on YouTube. Go and subscribe. Uh, we kind of, I, I would kind of love for these streams to be YouTube kind of central. Uh, it works well that we can put it out on on all the platforms that i'm kind of on but it'll be great if the youtube could grow and expand i think 
a target that I would love to reach is 100 subscribers by the Euro. So that will be, I think that will be really great. Um, but for the plans for this kind of discussion, we're going live probably twice a week, um, every Sunday at 8 o'clock, and we'll do a midweek show as well. And every single show always has the options there for you to come and join us live on stream, have a chat to us if you want. Obviously, no pressure. We can, you know, we can kind us ourselves. But if you ever feel like you want to come on and let your views be known, there's links in the chat there for you to go and click. Click those links. It should take you to the, the waiting room where you can put your name in, get your face on, get your microphone on, and just ask us a question, give us your views, whatever it is you feel. Because um, we really want this to be an interactive show. Um, we've been talking about it during the week, and the way with Luke coming on, on on Sunday, I just felt like it was really important that we had both of us on doing these shows. Uh, kind of almost like a live podcast. Um, so be sure to get involved. We would love to have you on 100%. But before we wrap up tonight, there's one thing we need to chat about, and it's been kind of bubbling and building and kind of silently growing, I would say, during the week. Um, and that, of course, is the Arsenal takeover news. Now, I'll say what I kind of know, and then you can kind of interject with what maybe you know. Really? But my – so this was all obviously started because of uh, the Super League. Um, well, people have wanted Cronky out for a while at Arsenal, but I think it's accelerated now because of the Super League um, and also kind of how poorly Arsenal have been doing and not great investment in the squad. There has still been some, but not great. And it came out – was at the start of this week, at the weekend, the end of last week, I don't know when it was, that Daniel Eck, who is the owner of Spotify and is a lifelong Arsenal fan, came out and said, I want to buy the club. Uh, he got the help, or he's sort of formed a consortium with uh, Burkamp, Vieira and Henri, I believe. Who, Henri, who's publicly come out and been like, I do not recognise my club anymore. Um, but today, actually, the breaking news today was that Eck confirmed himself, like, that it wasn't just chat, it wasn't just a Conor McGregor tweet out, being like, I, I'll buy the club. He said on one of the American business news channels, he came out today and he said, I want to buy Arsenal. I have the funds to do so. Let's get the talks going. Now, look, what are your thoughts and impressions from all of that so far? Yes, so it was today on CNBC he came out on their business program, not a sports program or anything like that, came out on their on their business program saying, I want to buy Arsenal. I've been watching them since I've been eight years old. For the last 30 years, I've been uh, a keen Arsenal fan. I think having an owner as a fan is a really great thing. It's a really great thing because it means that the owner will want the football team to do well. <laughs> That's a good start <laughs> because any fan that is serious about supporting club wants your team to win. No matter the circumstance, no matter when the game is, whatever it is, who it's against, you want your team to win. I think that's what Arsenal fans have been longing for, a desire. <laughs> Stan Kroenke mm -hmm. seems content with, with not finishing in the top four. He wanted it every season, but did he or was it Arsene Wenger? Arsene Wenger was obsessed with getting in the top four. People used to abuse him for it, used to make fun of him because they're happy finishing fourth and all that. Finishing in the top four is no mean feat. 
and Arsene Wenger loved it. But Stan Kroenke doesn't seem to care at all. Doesn't seem to care about finishing in the top four. And I feel sorry for Arsenal fans because there's been investment at times. There's been decent money spent, but comparatively to the other clubs, haven't spent much at all. And so the top four ambitions have not been there from the owners. Players they have brought in are decent, but not world-class players. They haven't signed the likes of your Mezzarouzel in a few years now. Mezzarouzel was phenomenal when he came in. He was massive. Aubameyang arguably was massive as well when he came in these last few seasons. I feel sorry for Arsenal fans. Um, I think if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be excited by this prospect. Daniel Eke is a businessman. He's, seen, he's, he's said to be quite a shrewd businessman, said to be quite a stubborn businessman in that if he wants something, he's going to get it, even if it doesn't happen immediately. And if he wants, if he sets his mind on them winning the Premier League, perfect for Arsenal. <laughs> but mm. if he sets his mind on turning over a profit, not good for Arsenal. You would hope with this sort of situation, Daniel Ek would be more keen on playing good football, getting success as a team, rather than trying to make money and leaving the money-making schemes to Spotify and any other investments that he might have. You would hope this is a passion project more than anything else. Yeah, I think I think the point about player investments interesting because obviously everyone got quite excited about Thomas Party coming in, but I don't know if they didn't, you know, consider the fact that he was a bit injury prone. You know, I I feel like a lot of us could have told them that before before he signed for the club. That's proven to be the case this season. He's barely been able to play. Udegaard's come in. He's done something. You know, he he. He's done something. He's only alone, and I don't think there's any option to buy um, with that deal, as far as I'm aware. Or they certainly don't have first dibs. Should that become a reality that he maybe wants to leave Real Madrid? Yeah, no, it's purely a loan deal. Um, Real Madrid still see him as a young, what, 22-year-old or something he is. Mm. He's still very young, still a lot of potential, still could be a really, really good player for Real Madrid. I don't see Zidane playing him. That's the issue. He's the like yep. of likes of an Isco or an Asensio who doesn't get game time but potentially Odegaard seems to be loving life and might want to come in. Thomas Party, my brother's national fan and when they were linked with him I said to him I don't read him so I, w- I would watch a decent bit of Spanish football love a bit of Barcelona big fan but I would watch the odd games you know for Atletico Real and I said I've said to Connor Thomas Party's not the type of player that Arsenal really need he suits the 4-4-2 Diego Simeone but he's not creative he's really not creative he can play a decent long ball at times, but in general, he's he's an okay player that I personally didn't think would be the right person to get for Arsenal. When he's played, he's shown glimpses, but Arsenal just aren't scoring goals. He's shirt up the defence, but they just can't score. So I think it's an it's an annoying one for Arsenal because if I'm Arsenal, I love Saka, <laughs> I love Smith Rowe, I love Martinelli. But it just doesn't seem to work. <laughs> Sadly, it just doesn't seem to work. Just putting them all in and hoping for goals. I think if you're going to play party, you need a creative player beside him. Shaka isn't that. Shaka's played well, but he's not creative. Caballos hasn't really played very well. Aaron Ramsey would be the perfect fit alongside Thomas Party. Why they ever let him go, uh, I'll never know. No, I. The Arsenal situation is very strange. I wonder now. Hindsight, of course, being twenty twenty, that uh, did with this kind of Super League talks going on behind closed doors, did Crunky think that was going to be 
his safety net of money that was going to come in. And so he doesn't need to. Did, did he not say at one stage we don't need to qualify for Europe or something? And I think people are taking that to mean well they don't if they go to the Super League because they're all already going to be in a European Super League. Um, the Arteta project looked to be on track and has now again faltered massively. Uh, you know, what is bad is the day that the Super League was announced was also the day that Arsenal were celebrating like they won the league when they scored a 97th minute equaliser against 18th place Fulham. Yeah. Um, Shogun. It's it's things like that. Like you can say what you want about Arsenal. You can say, oh, it's a new project. They're sort of building all this, and you can say that maybe they haven't been good enough. But the, I think the bottom line is, Arteta doesn't have the tactical know-how to know what to do with the group of players that he has. And you can say all you want about the culture needing to be changed in the changing room and all this, but you've had this team now for over a full season. I argue the only reason you're still in the job is because you won the FA Cup. Um, you know, it's it's a club that just and, and you know what you know what it reminds me of is when when United lost Alex Ferguson and we're having a real rough time. Now they never went as low down the table as Arsenal did, but you no, know they definitely did. They definitely did. They didn't did have as bad a season as this, so did they? Oh yeah. They, did United not finish eighth? Under Moyes, maybe. No, Moyes, or, Moyes barely even got a season. I can't remember. Maybe, maybe not under Moyes, but definitely at one stage, I think. Maybe under Van Yeah, I can't remember. But it's similar, right? Because both these clubs lost their, you know, their long, long-standing managers. Uh, United, United went through Moyes, Van Hal, Mourinho, and they've now got Oli. And for Oli, I feel like is pulling miracles out of his, out of the wazoo. Like it just seems to be able to do something that. You wouldn't expect them to. But with Arsenal, you know, since Wenger left, they haven't been able to really do much. Yeah. Um, so a takeover maybe brings a refreshing point of view in terms of an owner who wants to go to that club to win. Uh, if he's a fan, he's not going to want to do anything other than win, right? I think when you're celebrating a shroud businessman, Spotify's share value doubled, doubled in the last 12 months, right? So that this is a guy who has grown Spotify from I remember when Spotify first came out um eight years ago to now like being massive, like the, the biggest music streaming service that exists. I think he comes into Arsenal, he's gonna invest. He is gonna invest as an Arsenal fan. You, you nearly worry that he'd make some decisions from the heart rather than the head because he's probably so invested in the club. Like if if you're a fan and you own a club. You wouldn't not go out of your way to do the best thing for your club. Do you know what I mean? Arsenal fans would take that at this stage. They'll take Absolutely. anything. And I think you'd rather take a rash signing than than nothing to do. Um, yeah, I think you look, there's two really good case studies on on taking past players and making them managers. Solskjaer and Lampard. They're the really the two good examples to look at when you're trying to figure out where to go with Arteta. Solskjaer was given the time and look at them now, they're second in the Premier League, potentially could win the Europa League, having a pretty solid season, just under the radar, <laughs> just doing really well. And that's great, but they got good backing in Bruno Fernandes coming in, they, decent money spent. You also look at Lampard, who did it all with youth, was then given money to spend 
and it just didn't work because he didn't have the tactical know-how. And so you've got to weigh up now, is Arteta going to get better with time or is it better to get rid of Arteta and bring in a Thomas Tuchel who's absolutely changed the fortunes at Chelsea? For me, I think it's time to get rid of him, bring in somebody who knows what he's doing, bring in somebody who has a tactical awareness. It would be gotten for our Arsenal fans would hate to watch defensive football. But if you brought Solari in, or not Solari, Sari, you brought um, Maurizio Sari in and he won the league with Arsenal. I don't think he would. But if he, if he won the league playing defensive football, I think Arsenal fans would take that all day long. My biggest fear for Arsenal fans, genuinely, almost, is that they go and win the Europa League. Because if they go and win the Europa League, Arteta isn't going. They're, you know, they won't get rid of him if, if they win the Europa League. And it's, I don't, I don't, I don't think Arsenal fans wouldn't want to win the Europa League. And I think that was, I said that in a weird way, but I think you get what I mean. Like, yeah, in the same way that winning the FA Cup pretty much ensured his spot, that in the same way, I think winning the Europa League would also do the same thing. Um, so it's going to be an interesting three weeks. Um, we're going to have plenty to talk about. Uh, so if you enjoyed this, be sure Sunday nights, 8 o'clock, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Hopefully the Wi-Fi holdout on YouTube won't die halfway through. That would be kind of ideal. There's, you know, I was going off earlier about YouTube. I want it to be the main place and YouTube's the one that's died. Um, <laughs> so Sunday's at 8 o'clock. We'll be live. Um, a strict 45 minutes on Sunday because I've got line of duty to watch. So, you know, but after that, we can go on a bit longer. Uh, let's see this final point before we go. Arsenal defensive team was success for years under George Graham in the 90s. Pre-Wenger, they weren't known for expansive football. Absolutely. And as I said, if you brought Sarri in and he won the league with defensive football, Arsenal fans would be loving it. Mm-hmm. The current Arsenal fans, the, our generation of Arsenal fans would be sh- would be shocked because they're not used to it. <laughs> they're used to Arsenal, you know, Wenger ball and, and lots of passing. Very exciting football to watch in the in the noughties. And it would be a shock to the system. But yeah, if it brought success, it would be 100% worth it. I think our generation are kind of uh, spoilt because we're like, oh, the best form of football is the expansive passing football, whereas sometimes it's the pragmatic way of the of football that matters the most. It's not, it's not really about how you play, it's about winning, isn't it? So, yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, I think that will wrap us up for tonight. Luke, thank you very much for joining me. My uh, pleasure. Thanks for having me on. It's been a great chat. Um, and, you know, as I say, if you enjoyed this, do share it with friends. It would it would mean the world to us. Um, but we've we've massive plans, and uh, we're we're really looking forward to kind of growing this uh, chat as we go. So see you on Sunday, mate. Uh, we've got Liverpool United to talk about on Sunday, so that's going to be uh, interesting. bigger game is Newcastle Arsenal, mate. <laughs> Sorry, you're right. Sorry, you're right. We're, that'll that'll be the headline news. Um, but you know, guys, thank you so much for watching. If you're watching this back as a video. Um, you know, we'll be live on Sunday, 8 o'clock, and next midweek after the Champions League again, we'll be back at 10 o'clock on Wednesday night. So keep safe, have a good week, and uh, yeah, see you soon. All right, guys, see you later. See you later.